Hello, and welcome to AI Wisdom, talking innovation in insurance. On this podcast, we talk to business and insure tech leaders about how artificial intelligence is transforming the way we buy and sell insurance. I'm your host, Ron Glosman, founder and CEO of Chisel AI, and a strong believer in the power of AI to help people work smart and enrich their lives. So let's get into it. The past year has been disruptive on many fronts. The impact of COVID-19 on our everyday lives, the hardening market, the acceleration of M&A activity across the industry, and increased digital competition, leading carriers and brokers to embrace digital capabilities to optimize operational efficiencies, lower expense ratios, and deliver a better customer experience. As experience trends and policyholder expectations rapidly change, The pressure to innovate and adapt has escalated as carriers and brokers strive to evolve existing processes by capitalizing on the capabilities delivered by natural language processing, machine learning, and AI. I'm joined today by Travis McMillian, Chief Business Officer Exceedance, to discuss how insurance organizations that prioritize the policyholder by embracing natural language processing, machine learning, and AI-powered solutions can accelerate response times deliver an optimal customer experience, and capitalize on operational efficiencies that drive higher margins and lower expense ratios. Welcome, Travis. Thank you, Ron. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. So before we jump into our conversation today, can you please introduce yourself? Sure. Um, So thank you. Uh, So my name is Travis McMillan. I'm the Chief Business Officer at Exceedance. Basically, I have global responsibility for uh, all revenue generating activities, partnerships, uh, solutioning, marketing, communication for the organization. But just by way of background, I spent 30 years on the carrier side of the business, Um, started in the 80s uh, for a company called Commercial Union, followed that through the merger of Commercial Union and General Accident to CGU and ultimately to One Beacon, where I was overseeing small and mid-commercial business. And then later went and ran a mutual insurance company out of Manhattan for a few years before getting onto the vendor side of the business. Um, So my focus has really always been insurance. And and I apply that same lens to everything that I do um, within Exceedance. I love it. And so I'm curious to hear, because obviously a 30-year career is is quite a long one, and you've never (laughs) wavered from your path of... of, uh, insurance. Was it by choice? Have you always been passionate about insurance or was it something that you sort of stumbled into because you knew somebody in the business or something like that? Yeah. So, so it's, it's kind of a funny story. So first is I actually come from an insurance family. Uh, my father was in insurance. Uh, he actually ran travelers uh, for some time. Uh, and, uh, you know, while I was going to school uh, out in California, I decided at one point to take a break uh, from college uh, change my major. Uh, and, and as part of that, uh, I needed to find a job that had benefits because back in the eighties, you know, if you weren't going to school, you weren't covered for health insurance. So I saw in the newspaper, a job for a file clerk, uh, for a company called commercial union. I had no idea who they were. All I knew is I could definitely numerically and alphabetically file and it provided benefits. So I went and applied for this job and uh, I hadn't even gotten home yet. And the call had come in, um, you know, we'd like to hire you. And a month after starting there as a file clerk, they threw me into this underwriting training program. And before I knew it, it was just one thing after another. I was on a fast track program in in the insurance uh, uh, system. 
You must have really impressed them with that interview if they called you back that quickly. I guess. I guess. It's kind of funny how that happens. But that's, you know, that's like old school old days. You know, now nowadays things are completely different. <laughs> now, nowadays you'd get a text with like a winky face or a thumbs up being like, you're hired. So, <laughs> exactly. I'm curious. Let's focus on on um, a little bit of your work today. You know, you work at Exceedance, which is one of the top twenty global managed services companies focused on PNC insurance. What do you, what would you say makes Exceedance difference from some of the other managed service and BPO business process outsourcing firms out there? Yeah, no, that's it's great, great question, Ron. I appreciate giving the opportunity to be able to to kind of give a little level set on who Exceedance is. So, so we're a managed services business uh, process outsourcing and technology company, um, and really, there's three key attributes that I think make us different. Uh, first is when we think about, you know, uh, the industry. The only industry Exceedance focuses on is insurance, right? And that's and that's critical. We don't do other things. We only do insurance. The second is that, you know, as a company, we were actually born out of an insurance company, believe it or not, uh, you know, back in 2013. And we have deep acumen around all areas of insurance. And in fact, we're structured to mirror an insurance company um, from an operational standpoint. Um, so a lot of people always ask me, you know, Exceedance does everything. So how, how do you, you know, how do you really sum up Exceedance in like one sentence? And what I would say is that we actually emulate an insurance company other than two things. We don't expose the capital. We don't take the risk. But operationally, we do everything else, literally everything. So, you know, the, the third, I think, point is is really around, um, you know, the team members that are part of Exceedance. Um, you know, they're all insurance professionals. And that's really, really important. So no matter you know what area of the company you work in, whether it's finance and accounting, whether it's underwriting, actuarial claims, policy processing, technology, BI and reporting, you know whatever it might be, there's a fundamental baseline that says you have to understand insurance. So whether you know we're pulling in an executive from an insurance company to become part of our team, or we're hiring what we call like a fresher right out of college. They have to go through a, a certain level of training to understand the different types of insurance, what a named insured is, what a deductible is, you know, what coverages are, et cetera, because that's just table stakes. If you can't sit down at the table and, and understand the insurance lingo, then how can you take technology and really drive it through a process? You know, that's just it's just baseline, right? And so so those those fundamental roots are are now core to our foundation. And, and that's really what differentiates us in the marketplace. I think that's a very unique position to be in. I don't think there's many, you know, managed services companies out there that can say that they spun out of an insurance carrier or insurance company and uh, have that deep level of experience. So obviously you work with everybody across the board, whether that's traditional insurance, you know, insurance carriers could be the reinsurers, brokers, the MGAs, the MGUs across many markets globally. What would you say are the common challenges that you see these organizations facing today across the board? Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. So you know, what we hear, and this is looking at it kind of globally, right? Um, from the perspective of clients uh, and with that broad back set, right? It's really in the area of, you know, how do I create more capacity? How do I create more profit for the organization? And how do I transform 
the way I'm doing business today to continue to capitalize on the marketplace that's ever changing, right? So many have a need to create capacity in their operations to grow the business and do it in a way that doesn't increase costs at the same rate. So, so to that end, if you add people, right, you're, you're continuously going to, uh, you know, grow your expense at the same level in which you're growing your opportunity. And that, and that's problematic. So, so that's where technology and technology transformation plays a huge part in how an organization can create the capacity to grow profitably. Um, however, you know, that brings kind of two other elements of, of challenge. The fact that the insurance industry as a whole has always been behind the curve when it comes to technology and technology transformation. You know, um, you know I would say that as, as I reflect on 30 years, there's been more transformation in the insurance industry in the last five years that there has been in 25 years prior to that. Right. I mean, if, if I'm going to date myself, but. I got into the marketplace when facsimiles were just coming to bear. There was no email. There was no internet. Right. So think about where we are today. It's, 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 it's very, you know, transformative, um, you know, and then, and then couple that by tools today that we're going to talk about like artificial intelligence, you know, coupled that with machine learning, natural, you know, language processing, uh, robotics, you know, all of that. I mean, that's going to that's going to further build i think the platform for the future once you know all of the different insurance constituents figure out how they should apply it to their current processes you know aligning it to kind of their strategic direction great answer I'm curious to get your thoughts. We've had a lot of uh, episodes recently focused on COVID-19 and fingers crossed you know we're now at the end, hopefully. Um, so putting aside COVID-19 for the first time in like 12 months, <laughs> how do you feel about the industry in terms of what's having the biggest impact? What are the factors that are driving innovation today? And how well is the industry doing at responding to those factors? Yeah, so it's an interesting question. And I am going to kind of thread in a little bit around the obviously the pandemic, um, just because of the fact that um, it was a wake-up call for the insurance industry, honestly, at the end of the day, um, especially those that were laggers, and, and there's still plenty of them. You know, as we recover kind of globa- globally from, from COVID-19, I think some of the biggest er- you know, impact areas for insurers are focused on, you know, the creation of the next generation operating model, you know, and, and this is due in part, you know, because of decentral decentralization of you know the workforce, right? So overnight, companies had to change from I had a thousand people in a building to you have to all work from home. Some companies, you know, had the infrastructure to support that. Others didn't, and it literally turned their lights off for a period of time until they could figure that out. You know, I think that you know as we go forward, companies have to take that into consideration because. It does a couple of things for them. Um, one is it it will change the way in which they operate um, fundamentally, but it also affords them the ability to attract talent from anywhere that could be really, really good. And they don't have to be within the four walls of their office, right? In, in addition to that, I think that, you know, when you think about brick and mortar, look, that's a, that's a fixed cost. It's expensive. If you can have your entire team working remote, 
Think about the expense you save there. You could take that money, you can reinvest it into other things. You can invest it into new product lines, invest it into new businesses, invest it into more people, you know, and truly transform the way you operate if you think differently and continue to push the fold there, you know? So um, I, I think that, you know, as we look at the industry in, in, in total, I think they're, they're doing some right things, but I would have to say that there's still a, a long road ahead for many. And this is really primarily due to the lack of insights into, you know, how can AI and other digital tools really kind of change the future of operations across the areas of insurance? You know, this is where, you know, in it, the industry uh, and companies around it, you know, need to leverage a managed services provider like Exceedance. And there's others, you know, that have not only the deep insurance knowledge, but actually have a heightened understanding around the transformational tools and how to apply them to a process to create that capacity, to create that better customer experience and to ultimately create, you know, an outcome, which, you know, is to be expected. I think that's so important because being able to scale your business without adding headcount is something that you touched on there for, for a minute. And I think that's so powerful because especially today you have the ability like you said you don't have to have people in the four walls you can you can leverage technologies and people across the world and that ability i used to think you know how scary it must have been to open a business back in the day you had to invest in like a brick and mortar business and it, it was like a whole outlay of money and there was no google maps or anything so the only way you were getting traffic was like if somebody passed on the street versus nowadays people spend like 20 bucks on shopify and they can distribute their product globally, right? And I think that's what, what managed service firms are offering to the insurance industry is this ability to really bring down the cost. You don't have to invest in your own you know, agency storefront where a customer can walk in and then somebody to do the accounting and the billing and everything else. It can allow you to just scale so much faster. So, I mean, I mean, I mean think about that in the context of you know, before the internet, right? That's what really you're referring to. And I remember when the internet, internet first came out and people started thinking about, well, I, I could sell insurance on the internet. People thought they were crazy. You sell insurance, nobody's going to buy insurance on the internet. You know, they, they need to sit down and have a conversation about the coverage that they need, et cetera. Where today, there, you know, there, there are businesses, whether you look at, you know, the Geico's and the progressives of the world that have been doing it very successfully for a long time. So, you know, these new startups like Lemonade that, you know, come out of anywhere because they're an insure tech and, and they figured out how to leverage technology to drive that experience, you know, coupled by what I'll call the demographic change between Gen Z's and millennials that are now, you know, buying customers, they're decision makers, they're business owners, you know, and, and they expect a different, uh, different experience. A hundred percent. So I want to ask you, cause you recently published an article on uh, insurancethoughtleadership.com titled three ways to better leverage AI. And you talked that, or you stated that the most important part of the process should be prioritizing the, the policyholder or one of the most important parts should be prior to prioritizing the policyholder. Can you elaborate a little bit on how carriers, brokers, agents, you know, MGAs, et cetera, can embrace innovation and AI to actually be more customer centric? Because I think that's what you were driving to is be more customer centric. 
Yeah. So, so first you're going to, you're going to test my memory here a little bit, right? Pulling up something that was back, I think, uh, 2019 might've been when that was published, but, um, absolutely. But just as a backdrop, I think, uh, you know, to expand on leveraging AI and the importance of, you know, prioritizing it for the policyholders, you know, first, let me, let me just kind of set, set, set a little bit of a backdrop. There's three key components. I think the first, you know, is around the data, right? And you, you would know this as an AI company, right? Um, Many insurance organizations are plagued with what I'll call dirty data. Uh, and, and the result of this, you know, s- systems can't, they don't allow for the data to be extracted, right? You think about these old legacy green screens that are, you know, terrible. You know, that's one. Um, you know, companies have merged and acquired companies. And, and as they migrated that data over, you know, it wasn't clean, right? And so... If we think about, you know, the first step is to improve your data, which includes both structured and unstructured data, AI plays a really, really large role in that and how it can be maximized to drive the value, you know, coming out of that information that's basically unstructured, putting it into a structured um, format. So then it's actionable, right? So that's kind of one of the first key, you know, steps. And there's only three that I see, at least through this discussion. The second is, you know, focused on the right culture internally. Historically, you know, insureds of all shapes and sizes have been designed, uh, you know, and, and have a very slow adoption rate to change, right? They're risk adverse. Having led a couple of insurance organizations, I mean, that's in my DNA. You, you want to be risk adverse. That's part of being in insurance, right? Innovation, you know, kind of penetrates the, the traditional settings uh, and the leadership of an organization has to be very supportive um, and committed to enacting the transformational journey that has to take place, right? Especially as you're looking at bringing in technology tools like AI to be able to, to drive that change. Um, and, and, you know, that AI influences, you know, a new and positive transformation for the, for the policyholders. So to elaborate on, you know, specifically how carriers, brokers, MGAs, MGUs, you know, can expand on leveraging AI and embrace innovation and technologies to be more customer centric. I think it's really around creating a ground up process, um, you know, in, in reinventing their products, their workflows, and the data to drive that customer-centric experience really focused on how can I make it so easy for you, you can't say no, right? And as an example of that, if an insurer today has a large segment of, you know, very homogeneous business, and there's a lot of companies out there that have this, you know, most likely they have, you know, some good data there that then they could leverage as part of you know, future customer acquisition. Because if you understand the segment that you're writing better than the industry, you can position yourself differently, right? And so taking that as as kind of the first piece, coupling that, you know, using the data and leveraging AI for both not only that first party information, but also the third party and coupling that together in an underwriting process can then enable the underwriter or the underwriting system to drive a consistent underwriting, you know, output through that risk selection, and at the same time create an ease of placement that you know is lacking in the marketplace, um, and and 
I'll give you a couple of examples. So at Exceedance, because we work across many clients at all different levels of AI, right? I mean, we have a, you know, you and I, Ron, have a strategic relationship around, you know, Chisel and what we're doing in, in, in policyholder um, checking. But it goes beyond that, right? So Exceedance uses AI across all of the areas that we focus on because we see it as advantages, right? To help insurers really transform to go to that next level. So we had a client that was looking to create uh, a new business line and they wanted to leverage their data and external data so that you had limited informational inputs as a customer to then get a quote and ultimately issue a policy. Well, through the advent of using AI, right, and through some integrations with some other third parties, et cetera, you know, we were able to wire it down to you had to put in four key elements, you know, your name, your address, uh, actually your date of birth, because it was uh, for auto insurance and everything else we could get, we could grab once we had that. So literally we could quote your auto from those three data points because of the information that exists and drove an entirely different customer experience, which increased their growth exponentially and profitable because you were able to segment the customers based on the information that you would see. I think that's such a great use case. And I'm sure that that product line is probably a great customer experience. And it's probably going to hopefully be a profitable product line at the end of the day, because that's probably one of the most important things. Um, so can we dive a little bit deeper into that? Because I think one of the things that we talked about a little bit earlier and it's coming up a little bit here as well as is a digital customer experience specifically because there's a difference between like the customer experience and the digital customer experience. Sometimes they're the same thing in companies that are very forward thinking, but oftentimes they're not. So in your experience, what, what can businesses do to evolve what they're doing today to be more digitally focused and deliver a more digital experience rather than, you know, filling in 50 like 50 questions on a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet, which I've done. What you just talked about seems so much better. So how can co how can companies move towards that? Yeah, first, I, I think it first starts with, the, you know, you need to understand what's your strategic direction? What are you trying to do? How are you trying to evolve, um, you know, your business? And once you, once you have that kind of laid out, then I think it's to say, traditionally, I've always done things this way, right? I've collected data, a, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through Z, right? And those are my data points. And then I put that into an underwriting process. The underwriter goes through and evaluates, you know, the exposures. They end up with a price. They put the price out there. The client either says yes or no, and then blah, 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 right? So I think you have to, you have to challenge, right, the past and say, is there a different way to do it? And is that way better? Is it transformational? Right. Because I think the answer is yes. Right. So why would I ask you a question? Number one, if I'm going to do nothing with that information and, and there are, there are examples of this. I mean, and, and I look at it now as an underwriter and I laugh at it. Right. So for example, on every restaurant application, one of the questions I'll ask you, do you own or operate an aircraft? Hmm. Let me see. You're running a restaurant. Do I really care about that? Probably not, unless the aircraft is in the name, you know, is, is part of the name insured. And then, yeah, you pick up some exposure there. But outside of that, it's not important, right? What I do care about are things like, oh, do you have an Ansel system or a fire suppression system over your cooking apparatus? Yes, I do. Great. 
Is it also regularly cleaned and maintained? Yes. Great. Those are the things that I want to know because it's going to protect, you know, the risk from a fire, right? So, so it's really challenging that to say, one, what are the right questions? And then can I get that information from somewhere else without having to ask you, right? Because if that's true, the information is probably more reliable because you might not paint it gray. It's going to be black or white. Either you do this or you don't do this, right? And then you know, the outcome becomes more streamlined. So, so I would say that, you know, you have to challenge the way you used to historically do something. And you also need to challenge the questions you're asking, why you're asking them, are they actionable, not actionable? And ultimately, are they going to lead you to a conclusion that says, yes, this is a good risk. This is not a good risk. I should price it this way. I should put these terms and conditions on, et cetera. And if they do that, then I think they'll find their business to evolve. For sure. And I think they'll find that you know, they'll have more customers renewing just because that experience is also so much better as a customer. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick 20-second break to tell you where you can find more information and insights about insurance innovation. We'll be right back. If you like this episode of AI Wisdom, subscribe to our blog, Writing the Future, AI and Commercial Insurance at www.chisel.ai forward slash blog for feature articles, interviews, opinions, and more. We're back with our featured guest, Travis McMillian. Let's jump right into the next question. In your opinion, what's one thing that everybody in the commercial insurance space should start doing today to better serve policyholders throughout the buying process? So that, that's, a, that's actually a great question. And it's something I reflect on quite a bit, actually. So my suggestion would be that you start by understanding, you know, what are your target demographics, right? And, and how, have the, how has that changed? And, and the reason I say that is because if you think about, you know, uh, the newer buying groups, the millennials and the Gen Zs, and I think the Gen Is are the next, you know, up and coming generation, um, you know, they expect a different experience from people like me, Generation X, right? Um, I want paper. I want to sit down and have a conversation. My kids, they want to text you. They want instant gratification. They want it now, right? And so when you apply, you know, the buying traits of your target audience, right? You have to change the tools because your lens is different, right? And so, you know, to go a little bit deeper, when we think about, you know, a millennial or a Gen Z's buying characteristics, um, you know, they want that instant gratification, you know, relating it to real time, instant results on digital tools. They want to transact everything from a mobile device, you know, so traditional buying in buying processes and commercial lines outside of, you know, what I'll call emerging, you know, insure techs in some cases won't drive that segment of business owners to their solution. So they have to challenge themselves to say, do I need to do things different if I want to attract that, you know, that customer base? And, and why is that attractive to me? Because you know what? It is an attractive customer base. I think when people really drill into that, they realize these are the upper comings. This is the future of, you know, of the world. And you got to figure out how you, how you capitalize on that. That's right. Because if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Exactly. What would, you, what would you say are ways to combat 
change management and and some of the struggles that can sometimes occur because people can be afraid of technology and oftentimes organizations can be very slow to make decisions. So what will be your recommendations uh, for people who are trying to get their organizations to implement new technologies and business models and might be trying to convince the senior leadership to take action? Yeah, so so that's always an interesting one. And I think that you know, everybody has a different view on what is change management, right? Some people think, well, okay, we're going to change organization. Let's send an email out to everybody. And, oh, yep, we checked that box. So we're done. But change management truly is, you know, uh, it, it's it's an organizational movement. And and from my from my standpoint, you, you, you can't do a top-down change management or a bottom-up change management. You have to do them both together. And I'll explain why. So, you know, first is you have to have leadership that's completely on board with a transformational change and, and they're sponsoring it and, you know, they're aligning it to their strategic direction to say organizationally, here's where we want to go. At the same time, they need to, you know, surround a group of folks that are, you know, the doers, They're the workers doing it every day and get them to embrace the vision and, and how they can see the transformation um, really impacting their roles from a bottom-up standpoint, right? And when you when you attack it from both vantage points, the outcome there is successful. If you do one or the other, you have a potential of failing, right? From my experience, and so it has to be attached attacked from both ends. And and I think that you know when 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 it's done right. I think that you know companies will be successful. The other thing that I would lay out there is that you can't take that journey alone. Most companies, right, don't understand all of the you know intricacies involved with AI type tools and and how to apply them to transform, right? Look, that's where they need to rely on people that have that experience, you know, whether that's an exceedance or, or, or another type of company that has that, you know, deep insurance domain and, you know, technology background around AI, you know, that's that's what they need to leverage or somebody who's partnered with a company like Chisel to be able to do that. Right. So we can drive together that transformational um, aspect with them. But I think that at the end of the day, it's it's really the kind of, you know, that combined area. Um, and, and, the, and the last thing I would share is that, you know, a lot of companies talk about doing POCs and they have these grandiose ideas. I want to do this large POC and and, and really kind of drive something as a proof point. What I would encourage them to do is something small. Tip your toe in, test it, you know, drive it quickly. If you're going to fail, fail fast, and then learn why you failed, correct, and then do it again, right? And, and you can't have these things beyond, you know, I, I would say they take weeks instead of months or years. And traditionally, that's been, you know, one of the major impacts, I think, why the insurance industry as a whole has been slow to transform because, you know, you think about, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to institute a new policy admin system. Great. You know, it's a, it's a three to five year project. Sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, and it's costing people hundreds of millions of dollars to do that. So that's so true. And I love your example about working from both ends because 
there's a there's a couple like similes that that come to mind but the the best one and it's it's like super real is oftentimes when possible you actually dig a tunnel from both ends because it ends up being twice as fast and that to me is sort of the the perfect real world analogy for you what you just talked about because if you're working one way now the the problem with digging a tunnel from both ends simultaneously is you have to be very precise because if you they don't line up <laughs> you're, you're gonna have a really fun time at the end so it might be a little bit more work but it's certainly the better way to get it done i would agree now you touched on something that i'm super excited about which is uh our I'm excited to share with our listeners that we recently formed a strategic partnership with Exceedance to deliver best-in-class on-demand AI-powered policy checking and review to commercial insurance organizations. So Travis, can you share with our listeners a little bit about how Exceedance plans to offer the on-demand solution, how it works, how it enables organizations looking to gain operational efficiencies and deliver a better customer experience to achieve these goals? Yeah, absolutely. No, Ron, and, and we're we're extremely excited about this partnership as well. Um, I think that it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, industry changing for a lot of people, especially if they want to embrace this. You know, so so we've partnered obviously with Chisel uh, AI to to leverage your proprietary AI technology that's focused on you know policy checking. And, and historically, what Exceedance has done is, so we've done that work before, but we've always done it manually, right? So we align people to the process. They get in the information, they do the manual check, and, and they put it out very, very much the same way an agent and broker does it today, right? Now, that exposes you know them, it exposes us to things like errors and emissions. You're going to miss things. You're a human, right? It also takes, you know, in, in a more inordinate amount of time to be able to go through a hundred page policy and make sure that are all the terms and conditions right? I wanted the policy issued like this. Is it truly that way? I don't know. So you have to go through and read it and compare and make sure that everything's there, right? So, so with our on-demand, um, you know, partnership, in the solution that we put forward, now we're taking the best of both worlds. We have insurance experts coupled with technology that's cutting edge, right? So if you think about it in the context of, I get in you know, a quote and a binder that, that the agents issued along with the policy, and I take those documents and I put it into Chisel AI, and what it returns to me is to say, yeah, here are all the things that line up, here are the things that don't. And guess what, the things that don't, I can hone right in. So something that may have took me 30 minutes to do before, now it takes me a couple of minutes. So what does that mean to, to our clients? It means it's going to cost you a lot less to buy this service, right? Because I can do it for less, so you're going to pay less, right? In addition to that, you know, when you think about an errors and emissions exposure, <coughs> excuse me, we're limiting that, right? So we're willing to take up that as a risk. So theoretically, you're, you're pushing that off to us, right? As your provider, we're okay with that. Why? Because we know the stuff that we're going to be putting out the door is predominantly going to be 100% accurate, right? Which is, which is great. So, so whether an agent or broker needs a capacity burst, look, I've got one one coming up. It's a huge part of my book. And, and I've got five CSRs or account managers and, and they can't handle that, right? So it takes me three or four months to clear out that backlog. They could, they could contact us and say, look, I need to buy burst capacity for, you know, 300 policies or 500 policies or 1,000 policies. 
just as a, you know, quick, here you go. Um, there's others that might say, look, I, I want to alleviate my CSRs and account execs of doing this operationally because I want them to be focused on, you know, cultivating those relationships with new clients and helping us grow the top line. And so, you know, companies may say, look, let us just offload this to Exceedance. And we're happy to do that work, you know, or anything in between. And then we'll take it a step further because, you know, the other part, and, and you guys know this because you've been doing it as well, is, is around, you know, carrier and the carrier experience within policy check. And it's a little bit different because they're not checking necessarily terms and conditions. They're checking for accuracy. You know, did, did our raters or our input people capture the information correctly? Did they put in the name right? Was it spelled right? All of that, right? So then you can have a, a quality assurance that your policies going out the door are right the first time. Why is that important to a carrier? Well, because if you put it out wrong, guess what happens? You get an endorsement or two or three or 15 or 20, and it creates more work, right? And so when you get it out the door right the first time, you don't have that additional work coming in the, you know, the back, what happens? Well, you're more efficient, right? And all that translates to you have more capacity, you're able to make more money because it's costing you less to do things. That's, that's exactly right. And I think that's something that people can certainly take advantage of today. And so as we start to wrap up, I want to ensure that our listeners take away three things that they can do effectively immediately to provide a better policyholder experience. So Travis, in your opinion, what would be the top three things that every insurance organization should be considering and how can AI or other technologies enable these initiatives? Yeah, no, it's a, uh, you know, I, I think my thoughts there really kind of go um, with respects to, you know, th these three things. First is, you know, you need to understand what are your current challenges or what are the changes that you want to embark on as a company? And how does that align to your strategic direction today and in the future? You have to map that out. I think that's just, that's table stakes, right? So that, that to me is number one. And you have to start with the basics, looking at it that way. I think the second is, you know, understanding that you really need to consider, you know, who you're going to partner with that has both deep technical capability and insurance acumen to help you envision that journey. You can't do it alone. I truly believe that having sat in the seat of many insurers, I would tell you it would be scary to try to do it your, your, on your own. Even if you pull in people from the industry to help you, I think you know companies are better by getting experts that truly know it. And the third is you know what I would say, and I, and I, and I said this a little bit earlier, you got to start small. While you can envision something that's grandiose and how it's going to change everything for your organization, you know, you want to start small and literally just structure it as, you know, sound bites and, and let those kind of build. You'll get to the end journey quicker. It'll be much more streamlined. And, and if things along the way need to be adjusted to adjust a small tweak because something didn't work the first time, it allows you to redo that quickly. Whereas if you try to do something really large right out of the chute, the likelihood that you won't be successful is too great at least in my experience. Great words of wisdom. So as we wrap up, is there one piece of innovation wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
Yeah. So in my, in my opinion, I think the biggest impact, um, well, the, 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 the biggest thing that I would say from, from an impact standpoint is that, you know, you can't be afraid to try something new. We've done things as an industry very traditionally. Step out, be the change agent, be the leader, and push the boundaries. And again, you know, you may fail, fail fast, correct, try again until you're successful. And that's a repeatable process. I love that. Those are great, great words of wisdom. So, Travis, where can people find out more about you and Exceedance? Yeah, so you can come visit us at, uh, at, at exceedance.com um, or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Travis Macmillan uh, and uh, be happy to uh, have any dialogue with, uh, with anybody who's just looking to have a conversation and learn more. Awesome. And as always, if you're looking to stay up to date on the latest and greatest in insurance innovation, check out www.chisel.ai and feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Ron Glosman or on Twitter. That's a wrap for AI Wisdom, talking innovation and insurance hosted by Chisel AI and me, Ron Glossman. Thanks for listening. If you like our podcast and want to hear more, check us out at www.chisel.ai or tune in and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Join us next time for more expert insights and straight talk on how AI and insurtech innovation are transforming the insurance value chain. See you on the next episode.